He is like literally hiring the world's preeminent techno terrorist to make boats think they're in different places to bring things to the brink of oh, war. No, this is a good place for an ad break. Um, uh, look at indeed.com to find techno terrorists. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, use if code partial recall to not find any candidate. If- Welcome to the 16th episode of Partial Recall. My name is Dan, James Dan, or is it? Uh, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the hosts. I'm here with my friend Yishai, the other of the hosts. Uh, Yishai, why don't you tell people what this podcast is about? Uh, this podcast is about uh, movies we've seen as kids that we only sort of remember. So in the first half of the episode, we uh, try to recreate the plot from memory and then we break, watch the movie, and in the second half, we come back uh, to discuss what we got right, what we got wrong, and if the movie held up. And as we've been going along, we've also been trying our best to keep in mind uh, which of these movies are actually uh, worthwhile to share with our kids as we're introducing them to uh, canonical movies of our childhood that we want them to experience. Uh, so, for instance, last week, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, definitely in the Pantheon. We are going to be showing that to our kids, me, as soon as this week. Uh, Dan, uh, I don't see him. Give it a couple of years. In a few years. Yeah, Yeah, give it a couple of years. Uh, Uh, Dan, what are we uh, talking about? This is going to be one that we definitely only partially recall. But because of the nature of the plot of this movie, I think we are both going to find that it is a real grower. Uh, Are we still talking about Pirates 2005? No, um, this movie, I think, uh, this is going to be a movie that we appreciate more on rewatch, I think, based on what I remember about the plot. Um, But of course, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, um, follow up to uh, Goldeneye, uh, the first, so Goldeneye was the first Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie, and Tomorrow Never Dies is the second. Uh, Goldeneye, a great movie, like a smash hit movie, and then obviously also um, the greatest video game at that time. I mean, not actually. So like, here's my question. My video game nerd hat on, not, not the greatest video game <laughs> of all time, but I mean, uh, probably the most fun I ever had with a game in terms of like multiplayer and playing with my friends. And like, yeah. Also know. definitely like the earliest multiplayer game that I remember uh, playing that had that kind of like, you know, or four player split screen. Or... Yeah. Uh, but here's a question. James Bond, obviously very popular franchise. It was obviously Pierce Brosnan was like our generations or our first generate the first of our generations bonds, right? It was like Pierce Brosnan, then it was Daniel Craig, if you're considering that like our generation as far as movie watchers. Mm-hmm. I, I assume it was pretty popular on its own right, Goldeneye. But number one, in popular culture, and I guess more specifically for you and I, as this is a re- recollection of our childhoods. Do you think that people, and more specifically you and I, I can answer for I, were more excited about Tomorrow Never Dies because of the game GoldenEye or because we liked the movie GoldenEye? So I'm curious your answer. I was excited for the movie. I loved the movie. I also loved yeah. the game, but I loved the movie. And I had yeah. seen already 
um, a number of the James Bond movies because my okay. family, my dad loved them. Yeah. Um, especially my mom's favorite is from Russia with love. I remember that. And my dad's favorite, I think is Goldfinger. Um, uh, but I had been introduced. I had probably seen a bunch of the James Bond movies before Goldeneye. Right. And so by the time Goldeneye came out, I was excited. And then obviously the game. And I was like, I just love James Bond. I love the yeah. whole, his whole deal. He just seems like a stand-up guy. I love everything about him. Yeah. Uh, you know, the way he takes his martinis. Um, yeah. I I mean, yeah, I think that's like, I think my dad definitely liked James Bond. I talk about my dad more because my mom, I, I, not like a huge like movie buff. Um, so uh, my dad, I think, liked Bond. And there was something about, I remember specifically being really thrilled by like the um, uh, like silhouette opening of the movie. Uh, you know, I think it's just like a really cool, like it, it again, like it was like, oh, this is my generation's Bond. Pierce Brosnan seemed like perfect casting uh, at the time. Uh, it was like a debonair uh, Englishman. Hey. I think the thing that's fun about the Bond movies is that, especially originally, I, I feel like before the Daniel Craig ones, is that they were a franchise that was like, and I'm sure we'll, we'll see if this is true in the research, but that was like almost as much about the behind the scenes as the on the scenes. Like hmm. you knew who the Bond girls were. That was like a status. Right. And like the song was always written by like a huge popular artist. And like yep. the the who is going to play James Bond is always a discussion. Like, I think those have always been sort of the way people are with Marvel movies now where they're like, Oh, Kevin Feige wore a Thor hat. And like, that means, I don't know, like Heimdall's in it or whatever. I, I don't know. Right? Yeah. Like people are like very into the production and they like know the contracts of the various cast members of the MCU. And like, I feel like Bond was the original franchise that was like that. And it starts with that opening, which is like the right. actor who is playing James Bond is walking and he shoots into yeah. the camera like uh, yeah no it's it's cool it's really cool i think we you know again like as far as like the uh larger like um zeitgeisty hype about it obviously like this was our first one right because what was the you have to look it up but like who who was the previous bond and when was that last movie uh released i feel like there was a bit of a gap right like a, a thing i will could, tell you the answer this one's easy to look up. Uh, okay. So, d -d -d Roger Moore, uh, Timothy Dalton was the one before um, Pierce Brosnan, and he was in two. He was in The Living Daylights in 1987 and Licensed to Kill in 1989. Okay. So, seven years. Eight years because, uh, six years, sorry. Because Golden Eyes 1995. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, a while. But those movies were not super successful. Dalton's known as a sort of unsuccessful Bond. Roger Moore, a successful Bond. I believe Dalton is known. I don't know yeah. for sure. Um, Roger Moore ended his run in 1985 with a view to a kill. Um, okay. So, another question for you. But you already told me that you kind of liked, you like your like through your parents. You you definitely had like knowledge of James Bond. I think a big reason that I like also have like a. a I could place James Bond as like the uh, the Simpsons episode where that guy, uh, yes, you know, he's like, episode. yeah, he, he's like uh, about to go to the laser and he like flips his coin and it shoots the, the laser. Beam tackles and, him. Yeah. 
Get the answer. Yeah, it's great. Um, that's one of the best Simpsons episodes. But truly, like that is part of my like James Bond memory as as a child. Like it, it's weird how the Simpsons can do that. Um, but yeah, I have a, a strong that memory. Of that episode came out in November of 1996, so before this movie, it absolutely would have been on your mind. Yeah, when you were watching this movie. Uh, so it's a great, that's a phenomenal episode with Hank Scorpio. Yeah. Um, um, I really enjoyed that. Um, okay. So yeah, James Bond, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. I had, I had only seen Sean Connery, uh, James Bond movies. Right. Bond. Uh, ahead of them. James so Bond. I had seen Dr. No from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, and maybe Thunderball. Thunderball? Yeah, it's like underball, but with a the in front of it. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, was that like one of the first names they were sketching out for Thudbutt before they settled on Thudbutt? No, you know, I must have seen some of the Roger Moores because I had seen ones with Jaws in them as well. So, I had seen a bunch of James Bond movies for sure. Um, all right, but yeah, um, after Goldeneye, I was all about James Bond. Um, yeah. Well, obviously not all about because I barely remember this movie. <laughs> right. We'll so, see how we'll see uh, how all about. Okay. Give so us some of the deets. Well, yeah, let's get into the details. Uh so this is the 18th James Bond movie. I think they just released the 25th. That was like a big deal. Um, so that just places us uh in that era. It was directed by Roger Spottiswood, um, who did not direct a lot of movies. I know this for a fact. Because uh, I have it open right now. Uh, he directed Bill and Ted's. Yeah. No, he directed uh, Turner and Hooch. Uh, you know the uh, Tom Hanks and uh, dog movie. Uh, good starring, movie, starring Tom Hanks and Beasley the dog as the eponymous characters, respectively. IMO. Um, I liked that movie when I saw it as a child. Stop or uh, my mom will shoot. Stop or my mom will shoot with Sylvester Stallone and uh, that loved movie. that movie as a child. That she's the where's the beef lady, right? Um, oh, the sixth day. I liked that movie too. But like, is Roger Spottiswood my favorite director? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Spinning Boris, an American comedy starring Jeff Goldblum, Anthony LaPaglia, and Liev Schreiber. Not a real movie. Yeah, I feel like IMDb sometimes puts fake movies on there just to like Ripley Underground. All right, so basically, this guy kind of fell off, right? He had like a few movies. I guess they thought he'd be able to handle this, and then he didn't do much after this. Okay. Directed by Roger Spottiswood, obviously based on the novels by Ian Fleming, starring Pierce Brosnan as James Bond, Jonathan Price, our bridge, uh, as Elliot Carver, a media mogul, Michelle Yeoh, who... Um, Wait, where, are you, where do you read the descriptions? I told you I read off of Wikipedia. No, you got to look off IMDb. You cannot read the descriptions. That's cheating. <laughs> Uh, fine, I'll just say their names. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, which is, uh, uh, you know, relevant right now, um, as Wei Lin. Uh, Terry Hatcher as Paris Carver. Goats Otto as Richard Stamper. Ricky Jay as Henry Gupta. Uh, and then um, that sounds Sudi- risky. <laughs> Isn't Ricky Jay a comedian? No, Ricky uh, nope. Jay is nope. a magician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew he was something. Yeah, he's like the greatest uh, magician, like close-up magic person yeah. ever. Uh, uh, well, recently, I believe. Uh, Houdini, maybe. Um, just throwing that out there. Uh, Judy. I don't Dent- know if Houdini's close-up magic. 
Right. Uh, Judy Dench as M, Desmond Llewellyn as Q, and then I'm going to read this last name, uh, Samantha Bond as Miss Money Penny. Be funny mm. if she was like, my name's Money. Nope, that wouldn't be funny. Continue. Ignore me. That's it. Uh, so those are some actors in this movie. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to do there. Uh, I didn't know either, obviously. <laughs> obviously, famously MGM, right? Like, I think, you know, you think some movies and you think of the uh, uh, distributors. Uh, That's my favorite. MGM is my favorite logo. Yeah, it's great. Lion. I love that yeah. lion. Uh, the London premiere was December 9th, 1997. And then uh, followed by December 12th as the UK release and December 19th as the US release. A rare Run- movie that always comes out here first. Yeah. Um, we got to give you guys something. Um, well, it's a, it's the Broccoli family who both owned the Bond rights and also their name comes from Broccoli. Uh, they claim that Broccoli is named after them, which is, is almost come, definitely not true. They come from Broccoli uh, money? But... Um, yeah, they, they, it's a whole thing. Um, yeah, they're 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 very like no, this is a fully a British thing. It has to be directed by a Brit, and the star has to be Brit British, and like it has to get released first in the UK. But to the point that like Steven Spielberg always wanted to direct a Bond movie, and they won't let him. They won't let him. Is it so, I mean, he doesn't want to anymore, as far as I know. But like he, right. like back before he did Indiana Jones, he was like, I want to direct a Bond movie. I'm the biggest director in the world. And they were like, no. And so then they, he and George Lucas came up with Indiana Jones as like a, his an American, homage to a an Bond American movie. Bond, basically. Yeah. Um, is it because they uh, didn't want him because he was uh, not British or because he was Jewish? Uh, you know, those broccolis. <laughs> probably got that. <laughs> anyway, um, it had a runtime of 119 minutes, so just under the wire of two hours. Just- Mark here and Mark there for cutting. <laughs> uh, a budget of 110 million and a box office of 333 million, which is 110 million for 119 minutes. Like you think about the fact that when you're watching one of these movies, there's literally a million dollars a minute on yeah. screen. Yeah, um, pretty that crazy. Is so crazy to think just, about. Just 333. It seems underwhelming, right? As 333 a, million at the box office. Yeah. Um, what did GoldenEye make? Yeah, I'm going to check that right now. Uh, GoldenEye, how do I find this easily? GoldenEye box office made 356. So, yeah, Tomorrow Never oh. Dies made less. Um, but not like. It was um, the fourth highest grossing film of that year. Um, so, I guess not a failure. Not I just don't know what were. So, Titanic was that year. So, yeah, good Big luck. Big movie. I've heard of it. Uh, Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World. Men in Black. Interestingly, Tomorrow Never Dies did better in the U.S. box office than GoldenEye. Huh. So GoldenEye made 106 at the U.S. box office and 125 at the domestic. Ooh, coming in uh, right behind Tomorrow Never Dies as Air Force One, which would be a good one to do on this show. Great movie. Uh, As good as it gets. Not interested. My parents loved that movie. I think they liked the fact that the star of that movie – was a man who would tell you, say it like it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, a real uh, Rush Limbaugh type, maybe. Yeah. Uh, um, liar, Liar, classic. Uh, my Best Friend's Wedding, also a classic. Can I ask you a two-part oh, question? First part, do your parents know what a podcast is? Uh, yes, because it's okay. my profession. 
not, oh, this, not this podcast to be clear to our do they listen to this podcast <laughs> no do you okay. no i they don't know it exists oh do your parents know it exists i don't think so i hope well, not if you haven't told them they don't know it exists <laughs> i don't know how big we've gotten they might have just like been listening to npr and we're like a hot new podcast called partial recall um no they don't know it exists long may it continue Correct. um yeah. Uh, anywho, <laughs> it's a good. I like how you asked that right as you were making fun of your parents for being. Uh, yeah, good yep. stuff. Uh, so those are the details of the movie. Um, yeah. So I have. Okay, so to what go. do you remember about it? <sighs> and you cannot say that you remember that Jonathan Price plays a media mogul because I know that you read that. On <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely. I, I I don't even know if it's worth me attempting a plot. Okay, so okay, funny for so, the listener. Can you maybe I I don't know I don't remember what happened in Golden. I was going to ask you for context from that. I don't I don't know. Okay, so, so ask who is James Bond? Okay, James Bond is a uh, he's a detective in the MI6 of the British mm-hmm. Secret Service. Um, he uh, likes famously to wear tuxedos, drinks his martinis shaken, not stirred. And sleeps with a lot of women. Um, those are the three most famous things about him. And then I guess the fourth most famous thing about him is that he's a very good spy. Um, and so he, you know. I heard called, he's washed. Yeah, yeah, could be. Uh, he's called into action when, like, people try to take over the world. Like, every time Pinky and the Brain get close, uh, you, they you call You forgot me. one thing. Yeah. He has the most midi-chlorians of any member of MI6. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, yeah, M- 007 midi chlorians, yeah, M or Q, whichever one does the gadgets. I think that's Q. Uh, M is his handler. Uh, so Q invented the midi chlorian reader, and they're like, This guy, Q stands for quartermaster. Is this um, true? Yes, uh, and that is the person who gives is that not Miss Money Penny? Wouldn't Miss Money Penny be quartermaster? <laughs> No, then she would be Miss Money Quarter. That's a yeah, or, question. It's true. Good point. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, sort okay. of in charge. She's like she's in in at least in the Daniel Craig movies they call her mum. Like she's like in charge of MI six. She's creepy. not his handler. Right. Um, okay. So um, okay. So you got who James Bond is. You missed the midichlorians. That's fine. Um, Who is the Bond girl in this movie? I mean, it seems like there's two, right? There's Michelle Yeoh. Am I saying that right? Uh, And then there's uh, Terry Hatcher. Um, You know, famously of uh, uh, Clark Kent. (laughs) What was the name of that show? Lois and Clark. Um, (laughs) I was about to say Clark and Kent. <laughs> um, uh, so both of those, I think, are, are you know, very reasonable candidates for um, Bond. Well, so I guess the question is, I, or... How do they fit lot, into the movie? So in a lot of Bond movies, there's like two types of Bond girls, right? There's like the one who kicks ass and is also some kind of agent. And then there's just like the damsel in distress. Uh, and so typecasting i would say michelle yo is the ass kicker and terry hatcher is just like the pinup girl i would say i would say it's slightly different though i think you're correct in this movie 
But okay. actually, there's normally two Bond girls, one that is good and one that is bad. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so there's one that's working for the bad person and one that's working for the good person. And generally speaking, the one that's working for the bad person is the one that also does some sort of action, at least in my mind. Oh. I'm thinking specifically of Xenia Onatop from Goldeneye. She's the one who like strangles people with her legs. <laughs> that's and very funny. I remember when they when they... I remember Goldeneye much better than I remember this movie, but I remember when they tell James about uh, Xenia on the top and they're like, you have to watch out for her. Like she's all this. And then they say, I trust you'll stay on the top of things. I was going to suggest that. I thought he was going to say, I'd like her on the top of me. (laughs) Cause he's, he's he's canonically, he's very horny. Um, Uh, so <laughs> I could have also made a choking joke. Um, yeah, I mean, I I would have thought that it's more actually because in some of the modern ones, I feel like it's more there's like the other agent. Who she's like, stay out of my way. And she's like the good one who's also good at fighting. And then the bad one is more like the one there to kind of like seduce him and not necessarily like is a good fighter, but like more uses like her wiles to like disarm him. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. So having read that Jonathan Price is a media mogul, that's yeah, actually think he's the plot of this. Movie? Yeah. So that's all I needed to just like get the ball rolling here because like I genuinely would have been totally stumped. I assume he's trying to do some kind of like Incredibles 2 type thing where like he sends out like, uh, hypnotic waves to people through his media channels and like will like get them to give them all his money or some such uh so like there's some kind of nefarious you know using his media mogul status and technology to like do bad things to the world that i mean that sounds pretty much like i remember i i have him in my head as a kind of rupert murdoch type that makes sense uh you know so he's really just out there to like save america yeah do good um yep just tell the news like it is fair Mm -hmm. and balanced yes crucial um no his plan is is basically something like what you said i'm trying to remember um what the exact like nature of his plan is but it involves china um because that is how china Michelle Yeoh, yeah, that's how Michelle Yeoh gets involved. Um, she is like an an operative from a Chinese spy agency, okay, also trying to stop Elliot Carver, oh. uh, and whatever the specific thing he's doing is. So who's uh, Perry Hatcher? She is involved in Carver's. Maybe she's like one of the reporters. I'm not sure. Is she like his personal uh, assistant? Maybe. Uh, that sounds good. Why not? Let's go with that. Is this the movie where he wears like a white parka and rides a snowmobile? Or is that a different? That is Die Another Day, I okay. believe. Or World Is Not Enough. But not this one. Okay. This movie ends on like some super cool boat. Mm. Um that's like a stealth boat that can't be um, uh, picked up on radar. 
yeah. but it's also like super fast and i remember it looking kind of like like um like i can't describe it in words kind of like magneto's helmet okay. uh, is that helpful no um is <laughs> the idea of a stealth boat really cracks me up because like a stealth airplane is like miles in the sky and then it can't be picked up by radar a boat is just driving right by you like you can't be stealth i guess like oh, you can see it with your eyes that is not stealth um it seems stealth like um i don't know how is that no you you'd have to be looking right at it you can't get it on radar the whole point of radar is you can look at a bigger area right okay fine um Okay, what else do you remember about this movie? Let's uh let's But like his plan involves something like he wants to he wants to like it, his whole plan is literally about the expansion of his media empire. Like he doesn't want to take over the world. He wants like to be allowed to like broadcast in China or something. Are they just like trying to like <laughs> James Bond is like so hard up for work that he's like like uh this is like a monopoly type situation, like break up this monopoly before he like gains control of all of the news networks type deal. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, I think, sorry. I did He's not, not going to like, release like nerve gas on like the world through his. No, no, no it, is, it is literally like, he's like controlling the news is the most important thing. He's like, you know what is going on today and I know what will be going on tomorrow. Like we talked a lot. That's where the tomorrow never dies comes in. Oh, because as long as I can broadcast the news, tomorrow never dies. We've talked a lot about like post nine 11 movies. This uh, plot wise sounds real post Trump truth movies. Yeah. Same thing. That's, um, That's what I mean by, I think that this movie will be really interesting to watch in our current climate. Interesting. Uh, where the news is more of an active participant in the creation of the news. Right. Whereas uh, like when you were, when did this come out? 97? 97. 97. When we were 12, 13. Uh, yeah. We probably were not like, oh no, the news. The news. <laughs> That's probably not okay. like our primary concern. Exactly. Uh, you're like, you're telling me the news will be bad about China? Um, okay. So... Here's some questions we're going to ask before we look at the posters. We're going to try out this new segment where I look at the cast list and say, what do you think Ricky Jay as Henry Gupta does in this movie? Good guy? Bad guy? Is Ricky Jay um, of Asian descent? No, I don't, the Gupta thing worries me a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, I think he is a bad guy. I think he is a fellow media mogul who is... Um, conspiring with Jonathan Price to like take over world media. So my guess is, is that he's like a friend of Bond who like meets him over cards and gives him some piece of information. I did have that question for you. Does James Bond go to a casino or otherwise play cards in this movie? Um, that's a good question. We'll have to wait and see until we watch the movie. Does he have to order a martini in every movie? Oh yes. He definitely orders a martini in this movie. Yeah, okay. Is this um, okay. one of the movies where the Bond girls comes walking out of the ocean? Ooh. Because they do end this fight on a boat. That's like a pretty standard Bond thing, right? Which one do you think it is? Michelle Yeoh? Or Ter- it feels like a Terry Hatcher thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So I-, I have guessed that Terry Hatcher is like a news correspondent. You think that she's his... 
personal assistant. I am now also seeing that her character's name is Paris Carver, so I'm changing my guess to she is his wife. Um, <laughs> is that his last name? <laughs> yep. Uh, so that's happening. Um, okay. Oh, so. Last character I'm going to ask you about. Two characters. Two characters. Okay. Um, there's a character played by a, an actor named Gotts Otto. Yep. His character's name is Stamper. Uh, what do you think he does? Evil German bad guy. Yep. He's definitely a henchman. And mm-hmm. then there is an actor, Vincent, Vincent Schiavelli. What his name was and he plays a character named Dr. Kaufman. Mad Nazi scientist. He seems like maybe James just gets like a prostate exam at the beginning of the movie. Or he's like James's pediatrician who he still goes to. Yep. Okay. So the other thing that we, we didn't mention is that these movies always open with an unrelated seeming mission. That's like an action set piece. So like GoldenEye opens with, he goes to the dam. Obviously I remember GoldenEye like scene for scene because I played the video game a million times. Uh, but it opens with the damn sequence where he dives off the thing to catch the plane. And it's incredible. Um, how does this movie open? Do we have any idea? Um, no. No. Okay. Well, then look at the, let's look at the poster. It's the first link in here. Okay. Um, I was going to guess something with a boat, but <laughs> that's because you said the answer the boat. Uh, oh, I like this poster. It's a good poster, I think. Terry Hatcher looks cold. Why don't you describe the poster? Okay. Uh, she does look cold. She's kind of like hugging herself like a yeah. rich lady at a party. She's like, she's hoping someone will notice and bring her a shawl. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So uh, the move. Okay. I see. Basically the poster has a bunch of uh, red screens kind of back set on the back of the poster, which I guess is like a nod to like, the media mogul, you know, sees everything kind of deal. And then so in those screens, you have Jonathan Price in the uh, top right and left corner holding like a knife or something and looking like he's trying to hypnotize you, which lends credence to my incredible two theory. Or or he looks like a librarian at a library for wizards because it looks like he's holding a wand to his lips and going, shh. <laughs> He also looks very blonde. Do you think that he's uh, a Malfoy? Oh, yeah. 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 His name be. is Elliot Carver Malfoy. Okay. And then in between that, it looks like they accidentally uh, included the poster of Executive Decision. <laughs> There's a, <laughs> <laughs> There's a uh, plane flying plane through an some explosion. explosion. Yeah. Okay. Below that. Uh, looking very closely, there is Pierce Brosnan riding a motorcycle with Michelle. Oh, so that's in the wall of screens. Yeah, this is all in the wall of screens uh, with Michelle Yeoh um, facing him. So sitting on his lap, but facing him and looking over her shoulder, looking nervous. Like, do you know how so to there's ride definitely, a motorcycle? There's definitely a cool motorcycle yeah. set piece where he's riding the motorcycle and she's like shooting guns at people as they ride. Yeah. By. And it looks like uh, a like a low rider. It looks like a, like a, a Harley. That's how James like, rolls. Yeah, I would have imagined it was more like a a you know um, mission. Yeah, say a motorcycle like, word. <laughs> you know, like you know, like in Mission Impossible, he's always riding those like little speedy ones. Uh, this is more like a Harley. This is a hog. Um, and okay. speaking of, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing at my own thought. Speaking of a hog. 
And all the way on the right, yep. we see James Bond uh, having sex while on a cell phone. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. He is holding a cell phone. This uh, woman. I think is... I actually remember that scene. It, that might be a scene in GoldenEye, but I think the woman he's having sex with is supposed to be like his French tutor or like German tutor or Chinese tutor. Like she's supposed to be teaching him another language. That's Three Musketeers, buddy. Um, and I believe that that's what's happening in that scene. But, right. That's neither, that's neither Michelle Yeoh or Terry Hatcher. No, it's a lady with short blonde hair. It's not Miss Moneypenny? I don't think so. All right. Uh, okay, more screens. Very hard to see anything. But yeah, it I looks like explosions. They're all kind of orangey red. There's a guy. I think maybe that's the uh, magician guy. Oh um, no, that's um, that's James Bond. <laughs> no. Okay, it's hard to make out any of the rest of the posters. And then you have uh, in the middle Pierce Brosnan looking very Bondish with a pistol, kind of like a Walter EPK. Yeah, uh, like sort of like. Across his face, you know, he looks like he knows what what's up. And then on uh, to uh, over his left shoulder to our right, uh, Michelle Yeoh is uh, also holding a pistol. And then mm-hmm. uh, over his right shoulder to our left, Terry Hatcher is in a um, d- like a tube top type dress, and she's shivering. Um, right, and- she's cold because her dress is. Not warm enough. And Michelle Yeoh is like, no, my dress has a has a sensible neckline. I am not cold. Yeah, exactly. And then on top, but they're both wearing similarly sparkly dresses. I think they encounter each other at the same function, where inevitably James Bond. Do you will... think there's any scene in this movie where they are literally over his right and left shoulder, like an angel and a devil in a cartoon? Oh, maybe. Sort of um, giving him different advice. Yeah, I think that's possible. Um, and then to your point about the Broccoli's, on the top of the poster it says, Albert R. Broccoli's EDN Productions presents Pierce Brosnan as Ian Fleming's James Bond 007 with a gun at the end of it. And then on the bottom uh, it says 007 in big red letters and then interlaid uh, 007 in silver letters. And then on top of that it says, Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, that's the poster. Good poster. I like Good it. Poster. I would see this movie. I think... We're not going to get anything else out of this poster. No. Okay, let's read the back of the box. Well, let's, I'll describe the box. Um, so that's the second link. It's loading forever. Okay, so the front of the box. Is that Michelle Yeoh? I think that's a... Okay, let's assume yes. <laughs> On the front of the box, if this is actually the box... Okay, so we have a plane flying away from an explosion, sort of as the background... We have James Bond's head takes up like Most of it. like half of the box. Um, over his shoulder, we have in the deep background, um, uh, I just forgot her name. Terry Hatcher. Uh, Terry Hatcher. And she's wearing a black dress. Mm-hmm. And in front of Terry Hatcher, we have, Hopefully. I'm going to say Michelle Yeoh yeah. pointing a gun at us wearing a leather jacket. And... Uh, it does kind of look like her, but it it also doesn't. It also doesn't. It, yeah, it looks like her face has been airbrushed a lot. Yeah, and so it's kind of hard to have kept her actual appearance. It's a very strange photoshopped yeah. image. It's not very good. Yeah, this looks like um, a 
And it says Double Seven Tomorrow Never Dies. And our Albert R. Broccoli's EDN Productions presents. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then the side of the box has the Metro Golden Mayor, has the lion roaring. It says Tomorrow Never Dies. It's a good side of the box. And the back of the box, we have Terry Hatcher doing the like hip thing where you have your hands on your hips in a dress. You know, that's like, I'm about to sing a jazz song while someone plays the piano in a smoky lounge. Um, we have, oh, we have Jonathan Price holding a remote to his mouth and it's just lit. So you only see the corner and it looks like a wand. Oh, not a wand. Not a wand. He is like controlling a TV. And we have that super cool action sequence where James Bond is, I believe, handcuffed to Michelle Yeoh on a BMW motorcycle. And the other thing that's noteworthy about this is um, in GoldenEye, James Bond drives a BMW. So like on that topic of like the production of the movie being a big part of the conversation of the movie, product placement in James Bond movies is also one that like people are excited about. They're like, Oh my God, James Bond, wears that kind of watch? Or he drives that kind of car. And in, in GoldenEye, he drives a BMW. I remember he drives like the Z3 convertible. Um, and that was a big deal. Cause it's not an Aston Martin. He always drives Aston Martins. And so in this movie, he rides a BMW motorcycle. So they're continuing oh. the BMW tie. -ins. Yeah. I've been uh, affirming uh, a lot of what you're saying, but I've been muted, <laughs> muted the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you were talking about like, you know how like interesting it is like people are interested in the products i'm like yeah that's so weird <laughs> like i look back on the screen i'm like i've been muted the whole time uh, uh okay so then on the back of the box it says two thumbs up siskel and ebert so we didn't fall into that trap they both liked it yep uh pierce brosnan leaps into action as agent 007 in this spectacular thrill ride of death-defying stunts and amazing high-tech gadgets in the most electrifying Bond film yet, the unstoppable action hero must prevent a tremendous disaster ripped from tomorrow's headlines. Ooh. Someone is pitting the world's superpowers against each other, and only James Bond can stop it. When a British warship is mysteriously destroyed in Chinese waters, the world teeters on the brink of World War III until 007 zeroes in on the true criminal mastermind. So before I read the rest, is Jonathan Price's character trying to create World War III because war is good for ratings? Oh. Been in that. Bond's do or die mission takes him to Elliot Carver, Jonathan Price, a powerful industrialist who manipulates world events as easily as he changes headlines from his global media empire. After soliciting help from Carver's sexy wife, <laughs> we know what kind of help he's soliciting. <laughs> That's such a weird way to describe someone's wife. <laughs> After soliciting help from Carver's sexy wife, Paris, Terry Hatcher, Bond joins forces with a stunning yet lethal Chinese agent, Wei Lin, Michelle Yeoh, in a series of explosive chases, brutal confrontations, and breathtaking escapes as they race to stop the presses on Carver's next planned news story, Global Pandemonium. With powerhouse action sequences, including a wild motorcycle pursuit through and over Saigon, Tomorrow Never Dies is a thrilling action adventure that roars from start to finish with the throttle wide open. Gene Shallon, NBC TV. So I, to this box's credit, I said a lot of boxes really like underplay. This really goes for it. Uh, and it got me psyched. Um, sounds fun. It sounds like, honestly, like, like Mission Impossible, which I guess sounds like James Bond. But, uh, you know, it sounds, uh, it sounds really fun. Um, I wonder if it's purely, I think it's obviously it's a, it's a money thing, right? So like 
he wants to make billions. Money pennies. Money pennies. He wants to make all the money pennies off global conflict. Um, it also sounds like the plot of the new season of uh, Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. Um, which so I knew have. there was something China specific. Yeah. Um, with the Chinese waters. Um, but I do think there is something about him not being allowed to have his company in China. And so he wants to like, like a reverse TikTok situation. Yeah. I think. Um, correct. It's a reverse TikTok. It's a, the classic cot kit. <laughs> kit cut. Um, that's, yeah. It's an, that's a contrapositive TikTok. <laughs> so what kind of help do you think James Bond needs from uh, the sexy wife? Taxes. Taxes. She's an accountant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What are you? He's like, you- I just had a proctology <laughs> exam with Dr. Kaufman. Uh, what are your, sorry. anything come back to you from that or any uh, excitement or? Only the the sort of controlling the news. I am excited to watch this movie. I'm, I, the news thing really seems like it'll be really interesting uh, to watch, to look uh, to like, see how they handled it in 1997 uh, and like wonder, like maybe they were like really spot on and everyone dismissed it at the time as one of those things that's too crazy. Like, did you see that movie contagion? Yeah. With Matt Damon. Um, So I watched that movie in April of 2020. And I remember, and then I read reviews and it was like, at the time people were like, this would never happen. This movie is so far fetched and whatever. And then in like April of 2020, I'm like, no, no, no. When it originally oh. came out. And then when I would watch it in 2020, I was like, this movie's not far-fetched enough. Like, people in this movie get along and wait for a vaccine. Like, uh, that's not what would happen. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, um, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a feeling this movie, the best case scenario of this movie is that it fits into that mold. But on that note, let's right. uh, watch the trailer. Yeah, let's do it. Bond. <laughs> James Bond. How much do you know about Elliot Carver, that news? Worldwide media man. Lots of newspapers, radio, satellite TV. There's no news. Like bad news. I'm from the New China News Agency. Looking for a news story? <laughs> Could have taken care of this. <laughs> Let the mayhem begin. Your new BMW. <laughs> Coverage? Yes. Property destruction? Definitely. Personal injury? Accidents do happen. No, 007. This holiday season. What the hell is he doing? should just be enough time for him to watch it stop beating. I would have thought watching your TV shows was torture enough. Yeah, good, good trailer. trailer. Good trailer. Uh, I like that they drive a motorcycle over a helicopter. That's cool. That is cool. Some good. I like that James Bond drives the car with a cell phone. Yep. And he does a lot of property damage while doing it. Yeah, but I didn't like the twist of that guy knew he was 007. 
it would have been better if it was just like a regular Avis guy. That's Q. <laughs> that makes sense. He's so old. It would be even weirder if Q was like... <laughs> if he was so old. <laughs> he was just giving out gadgets to everyone. Who <laughs> rented cars in the Avis. Uh, he's like, are you 007? Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Uh, an interesting thing. Um, <laughs> an interesting thing I noticed. I actually went back uh, and watched it just to be sure. Uh, when he says Bond, James Bond, uh, in the background of Jonathan Price on the screen, there was an obituary. It says Commander Bond. It was an obituary. Oh, yeah. He's writing tomorrow's news today. Yeah. Um. It looked like they tried to make it seem like he had sex with Michelle Yeoh, but I'm pretty sure that was Terry Hatcher. Yeah. Uh, but the way they cut it together, they're like, Michelle Yeoh scene, Michelle Yeoh scene, sexy scene? Yeah. I think that's not what's Terry Hatcher. James Bond, you know, doesn't care about infidelity. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, that depends. Do you have a sexy wife? <laughs> <laughs> don't answer that <laughs> just gonna get rid of all that um uh no it looks good it looks fun i don't love the big media mogul has a million screens he's watching all at once that feels a little played out uh you know if i'm gonna be honest i feel like the watching a million screens at the same time is the same thing as like being on twitter right uh, it's just like the earlier version of the way I like to get my news is to just have everyone yell it at me at once. Right. Um, yeah, that's fair. I don't, I can't, I cannot un, like figure out what Jonathan Price's uh, goal is. I mean, it seems like he's trying to like create chaos in the world, but like, and obviously to an end that will like benefit him somehow, but like causing world war three won't benefit him because like, it'll be like, the whole world would be like a nuclear holocaust. So like, you know. Not if he does it right. <laughs> right. That's fair. Um, I don't, yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you, okay. What did you give it at the time? And what are you oh, going to give so it now? At the time, I remember being sort of like, like befuddled by the movie. Yeah. Um, I remember it, it, I think that GoldenEye came out before Mission colon Impossible with Tom Cruise and this movie came out after. Uh, so this yeah, mission impossible with Tom Cruise came out in 1996. Tomorrow never dies came out in 1987. And I remember specifically when mission impossible came out, everyone was like, that movie's so confusing. I can never track what was happening. I don't know. understand the story. And I remember as a kid being like, I don't know what people are talking about. The movie's not that complicated. Uh, and then it turns out that I didn't actually understand it. And I now <laughs> realize that it, it is pretty complicated, but I do understand it. Um, or maybe I did understand it. I'm just not giving myself credit, but I feel like this movie genuinely, I didn't understand. Um, like I did not know, like to your point, like what his plan was or like why he would be doing that. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely thought it was like, Oh, news, man. Like that's so boring. The last bad guy was a former MI six agent, uh, and had all, you know, and was played by Sean Bean. Right. Um, and this is like kind of a nerd villain. So I, I definitely didn't like it as much. Uh, yeah. What about you? 
I don't remember it at all, which makes me believe that I didn't think it was great, obviously. Um, like Goldeneye, I remember more of... Honestly, I probably couldn't tell you the plot of any of these movies, but this one particularly seems like a lesser Bond in the canon of Bond. Um, and I also think that's probably evidenced by like the director not coming back. Um, I don't think this is going to be very good. I don't remember what I thought of it at the Do you time. don't think it's going to be good? Interesting. I think this is going to be like a six at most. Um, I see what you're saying about like how now that we have like more context for like the media mogul manipulating the world events kind of thing. But it also just seems like a bad, like I know like a lot of other bonds are just like, you know, like a scar faced villain, like trying to like get like toxic nerve gas to like, you know, blow up the world or whatever. And like, that's also kind of stocky, but like this feels like a weak, big bad. Uh, well, it's definitely how I felt at the time. I think I'm going to like this movie a lot. I think I'm going to give this movie an eight. Okay. On rewatch. Mostly because of the stuff that you said. Like, I think I there's a chance that I find this movie somewhat prescient. And I'm, I'm definitely going to enjoy the action. Because this is, like, right around the time in my memory where they didn't try to overdo things with CGI. But yeah. they might, like, augment something with a little bit of CGI. So, like, I'm expecting really good action in this movie. Okay. Uh, and that's really good practical action. So I think that's why I'm thinking an eight. I think that's I think that's fair. I guess I'm like thinking back to like the sequence of events you're talking about where like I feel like I loved Goldeneye and I loved Mission Impossible. And then I was like, Mission Impossible is like my, you know, 007 is my dad's secret agent. You know, Mission Impossible is mine. I feel like that I might have carried that into this, and then it was like boring. It was like a media mogul guy, and I was like, "See, like this sucks." And then, like Mission Impossible Two came out, I'm like, "Whoa, Tom Cruise's hair is long, and he wears reflective sunglasses. This is even better. Uh, he climbs mountains." Uh, so, I'd feel like I, this might have been the point. So you remember the first five minutes of Mission Impossible? <laughs> I feel like this might have been a point where, like, I might have like swerved out of it and then like probably didn't fully check back in until the um daniel craig bonds like meaning i watched all them like you know perfunctorily but not like super investedly despite the fact that i don't think i loved this movie i definitely still saw the world is not enough and die another day in theaters extremely excited and then die another day completely killed it and thankfully they Stopped the Bond thing. Well, killed it in a bad way. In a bad way. Completely killed Pierce Brosnan as James Bond and James Bond for a while. Yeah. The movie is really bad. Uh, So I think this movie didn't do damage to my Bond fandom. I think I still liked the series afterwards, which makes me think I probably gave it a six or a seven. Yeah. uh, In my head at the time. And I think I'm going to give it an eight now. I think it's going to grow. Should we try to watch this movie making uh, shaken, not stirred martinis? I would love to watch this movie with a martini. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll make mine dirty, like Pirates 2005. (laughs) 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 Uh, All right. Well, I'm going to try to make a martini for this. Uh, And um, Yes, well, if you make it like that, please just don't finish it too early. Uh, let's go watch it uh, and we'll be back uh, to discuss shortly
can smell this drink. Okay. Well, as this is, um, oh, yeah, we, the usual bullshit. We're gonna start the, the the usual bullshit. We'll start with is the clinking of our martini. Yeah. Not directly over the mic, because please don't spill a martini. Okay. Ooh, maybe we caught an audible clink. <laughs> Cheers. So, uh, ooh, that's good. Good job making a martini. Hey. Um, they don't call me James Dan for nothing. <laughs> so, uh, listener, as you may have noticed, uh, we are in the same place for the first time ever uh, in this podcast. What if I said the first, first time ever? ever. First time ever. Like, we we're met, like, we met, met on, online. Yeah, we yeah. met online. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kidnapping you now. Uh, no, this is great. Uh, Dan, just like the real James Bond, has traveled internationally from uh, London. Yeah, boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> Um, and we are drinking martinis and recording part two. This is very exciting. Uh, it's weird to record in person. I have to like look is. you directly in the face. And as we were both saying, we're like the two dogs in Lady and the Tramp. We're sharing one microphone so that there's not crosstalk. And it looks like we're about to kiss. If a Italian, like if a if a fat waiter sort of jumps out and starts singing, we might interrupt the podcast to watch Pirates 2005. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is great. We're going to talk about Tomorrow Never Dies, which we both watched, what, like three weeks ago, and now neither of us remember at all? Yeah, do you remember this movie at all? No. Very no. forgettable movie. Okay, I'm going to jump. I, I, I did write notes. I also I, have notes. I listened to the podcast the first half back today, and the first thing I want to say is, I kept saying that I thought this movie was going to be interesting in the sort of modern context. Yeah. I was totally wrong. This yeah. movie's not interesting. No. This movie is so uninteresting. A real, it really felt like. I guess we're going to jump ahead. A real minor entry in the James Bond so, catalog, right? So I also said one of the things we're jumping right into the review, but one of the things I said that really jumped out to me is I said that when I was a kid, I, I felt like I, I didn't understand this movie. Yeah. As an adult, I still don't understand this movie. I think I fell asleep. I also rented this movie, so I rented this movie and I had forty-eight hours to watch it. Okay. So I watched it and I think I fell asleep, a real but J I wasn't a sure. A real James Bond situation. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I fell asleep. So I was like, you know what? I'll try to rewatch. And I was like, maybe I'll rewatch scenes. The reason I thought I fell asleep is at the end of the movie, they're like, General Chang is going to do something. And I'm like, did they introduce that character? Yeah. Who's General Chang? So. And <clears throat> I then like scrubbed through the movie. No, they, for a part where they introduced this guy. Yeah. Well, he's so, an important part of the plan. He's not in the movie. No. Well, because. Uh, what was the bad guy's name? <laughs> like the media, like the the, the uh, media mogul, Jonathan Price, Jonathan Elliot Price. Carver, Elliot Carver. Classic so he's name. trying to start a war between China. So and, that part of right. the plot, I get. So we didn't have to know like the. But then they're like, General player. Chang is going to give him a deal, and I'm like, General, what? How yes. do you know that? Yeah. And like Michelle Yeoh's like, we have to warn our government about General Chang, and I'm like. Who is this guy? Uh, right, so General Chang was like the, the, the shadow, the guy who wanted to step into the uh, the big seat, right? Like, is he? I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and so now I feel crazy because I saw the movie two weeks ago, but like, while I was watching the movie, I was Should we Wikipedia the plot or should we just try you know, to No, we got to try to recreate the plot from remember okay, the premise of the podcast. Okay, so let's talk about the plot of the movie. Okay. It opens. it opens. I was half right. So he wasn't wearing a white parka. It must have been a different movie where he was like riding a snowmobile yeah. with a white parka. But it does open in like Arctic, Arctic conditions. Oh. He's wearing like a leather jacket. First, it opens with the, yes. the, the silhouette of the like shutter and the gun, whatever. James Bond yeah. shoots into the camera. It's great. It's a great opening. We talked about it in the first half. We were right about that. It yeah. happens in this movie. 
Yep. We nailed it. Blood, like... Yeah. And then the, the, the gun that we're looking through sort of, like, goes to the corner, and then it expands out into oh. the scene that we're watching. Okay. Which was cool. It is cool. Downhill from there. And then... Yeah. <laughs> well, but, so then they're like, right, they're like, our man is, like, getting intelligence, but we don't know who the man is. But it does turn out it is, in fact... Bond, James right. Bond. We're like, James Bond is in this movie? <laughs> yeah. So right. So it's uh, like a terror they it's a, it's a terrorist open air market. That's like what they like call it. Yeah. Uh, a terrorist yeah. bazaar. Uh, artisanal. It's the artisanal <laughs> yes. terror market. Right. It's the Union Square market of terrorist uh, activity. And uh, their man on the ground is giving them intel that it's bad. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, We're gonna blow it up. Um Oh, with a missile from a with a missile from with a cruise missile that they're shooting like from yes. a ship, which is important actually to the plot. And then M is like James is there. We well, so James is there, and we should wait to get his intelligence. The guy's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Fire the missile. He just like fires a missile, like ridiculous. You know, shoots a missile, and then a second later, she's like, uh, "Our and man just told us that there's nuclear bombs here." They're like, "Cancel the missile," and it's, it's like it's, it's too like late. It's like that seated Iron Giant. Where Kurt Mansfield like orders them to launch the nukes at the Iron Giant, and, the, and he's like, "Launch the nukes now!" And they like, launch the nukes, and they're like, "Where's the giant, Kent?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's right here. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's I basically that. what happens. So okay, so they launch the missile, and that's when we finally find out right, that the man on the ground is in fact one James Bond. Right. So then he's like, got to get the nuclear material out of there. The nuclear material is on this plane. Yes. So then he flies the plane away. And it's a really cool scene, actually. He's, yes. like, trying to take off down the runway, and there's another terrorist who's trying chicken. to stop him, and they're, like, flying in Well, first he does other. a lot of, like, fighting. So I actually yeah. wanted to talk about his fighting. He sucks at it. He sucks at it, right? He but sucks at it. Do you think this is a conscious decision? Meaning, like, we're used to, like, no, the Daniel Craig parkour. No, because Michelle Yeoh is awesome at it. I'm just saying, like, Pierce Brosnan as James Bond and the way he fights, is that supposed to be more of, like, a staid British thing? No, I think he just sucks at it. Like, I think I think every Bond has their thing that they bring to the franchise, right? Yeah. And his thing is this, like, very pretty, charming guy. Yeah. It's like if Hugh Grant was James Bond. Right. Right. And then, like, he does, he does gun like... action and cool action, and he looks fine, but he always kind of looks like he's posing. Yeah, he does a lot of, his. he's very, like, his dad fighter. Yeah, like his, he he punches like a like a dad, and he's definitely. But it actually impacts the movie as well. Where like, because Michelle Yeoh can do everything. Yeah, and she's like actually a martial artist. She looks incredible when she does action. It's so cool, but he can't. And they shoot most of the movie in the Pierce Brosnan style with like quick cuts, show a punch, cut to something else, yeah. show a punch, and that doesn't capture anything cool that Michelle Yeoh is doing. Right, uh, and I. They I have to that. balance the two styles because they can't just be like, when Michelle Yeoh does it, we do long takes of cool action. Right. And when Pierce Brosnan is doing something, we cut it to ribbons. And yeah. It, it, yeah, I hear that. I, I had also predicted that this movie would have good action. practical action. And it has okay practical action. She's cool. She's great. He sucks. That scene is still cool because they build the tension nicely with the two planes taking off towards each yeah, other. Yeah, it's just and the, the runway's too short and all of that. The way that he fights uh, is just goofy. Um, like it just doesn't it, it's not like badass it really is just like but the thing is like so he waltzes into this thing and he's just like punching people out and like he's very calm under pressure he like spins out of the way and like punches right. and then he takes the plane so then he flies it he plays chicken with another plane he takes off 
The other thing that they established at this terrorist bazaar yeah. is that Ricky J, yeah. Dr. whatever, Henry Gupta, maybe not Dr. Robotnik. Uh, but they established first off that he's American. Yes. And that he is there and he's like a, what did I say? He's a, he practically invented techno-terrorism, yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. It's you like did, if Moby did terrorism. Yeah, you did worry that his name was Henry Gupta. And they're like, he's American. It's We're never going to bring that a, up. It's right. It's just a surname. <laughs> he's yeah. a totally American guy. Yeah. Okay, uh, so that he's there. Uh, Bond flies the plane away. I just want to point out one other thing. When they launched the cruise missile, and I made this little note, they turn a key. Oh, yeah. I and the key down. just says, peace and war. war. <laughs> They turn a key for peace to war, which is a pretty important key. I wrote, do ships really have a button that says peace or war? <laughs> like, I mean, maybe, yes. Maybe yeah. that's like weapons high is war. Yeah. Uh, the CGI missile looks terrible. Okay. Oh, my God. I have notes that I have no idea what they're in reference Okay. To. And then and then we get the, the sort of opening song yeah. with the, like, CGI. Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow? Well, that's not bad. Yeah. You get the, the opening song with the CGI and like the techno Sexy ladies robots. with like circuit boards printed on their bodies, yeah. which kind of tinkerbelling. <laughs> uh, and uh, ba I uh, yeah, I mean not to not to linger on that for too long. It was like it how was, many times did you watch it? <laughs> Just the one, and I'm not specifically talking about the like women part. It, it looked good for like the technology of thirty years ago. <laughs> Like it, because we were talking about like right, so, it wasn't like that cartoon reboot. Yeah, and we were talking about like some of the intros, like the X Men intro looked really dated. Like this looked pretty good. It's also very similar to the not great CGI opening in X Men. Yeah, that's a note on my phone. But I think this looked better, and this preceded it. Um, it did. It did look pretty good. I mean, but the, the difference is it's it's looking very stylish. It's not trying to look yeah. like an actual representation of anything. Yeah, it's trying to be like this movie is about these themes, naked right. ladies. Technology. Uh, Te- uh, tech nudity. There you go. Um, okay. Um, okay, then there's like a ship. There's okay, like, so then... Right. There's, a ste- there's the so stealth boat. My next note just says, it's pretty obvious that crazy-ass drill didn't come from one of the planes. But okay, so then what happens is we see we see a British naval ship yeah. in near Chinese waters. Now, it thinks it's in international waters. Yeah. And we see these two Chinese planes fly over, and they're like... You're in Chinese waters, turn around, or this is an act of war, or whatever. And then we see Ricky Jay and Elliot Carver. Well, this is confusing. I should say either both are real names <laughs> or both are acting names. Uh, Dr. Gupta, Gupta, Gupta and, and, and Carver. Jonathan Price. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, Jonathan Carver and uh, Ricky Gupta are uh, together, and he's like, haha, I triangulated it so the British think they're in international waters because he invented techno-terrorism. Correct. So then they have, like, a stealth boat that has, like, a, uh, a um, what are those things called? A missile? What, like Missile. A missile. What the submarines launch, those are missiles? Torpedoes. Torpedoes, right. It has a torpedo that has a drill it's, on it. It's basically Shredder's car. Yes, that's exactly what it is. He I did not put that together. Shredder's car into the yeah. ship. And you have a really stock German, like a, like a C-list Dolph Lundgren. Uh, His name is Stamper. Stamper who um, is like, watch what we do. Like, that's all he, like, right? And then it's like, let's see how they handle this. Henchmen in this movie are very weak. Very weak. Uh, so they launch this thing and it goes into the boat. And it drills holes in the boat, and the boat essentially sinks. Correct. Right. And the British think that the Chinese did. Oh, and then they launch missiles at the Chinese ships. Did you the notice? Chinese airplanes and destroy them? Yes. Oh, right. They launch it right. So, so it looks like the boat shot on the 
planes and the planes shot on the boat mm-hmm. and they they sunk each other because they're trying to push the world to, to the world brink of world war three did you notice one of the uh uh boatmen god why can't i have really good words on this podcast uh the <laughs> The seamen, the seamen, the the crew, the crewmen, the the crewmen, shipsmen, shipsmen. Uh, did you notice the, the famous actor in one of his first roles? No. Who? Oh, Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. I actually wrote yeah. that in my notes. Yes, Gerard Butler is there. I looked it up. It's like his second role ever. Uh, Gerard Butler just a random on the boat. Yeah, that's what it says in my notes. Yeah. Um, I like that you couldn't remember the word for semen, even though you really enjoyed the opening for this movie. <laughs> is that uh, what they're called, people on submarines? Submariners. There you go. Sure. Uh, musketeers. Musketeers. Um, I do have a note about this musketeers later. <laughs> this is a swashbuckler? <laughs> yes, there's swashbucklers. Uh, okay. So, right. And then I also wrote in my notes, so no one looked out the window. <laughs> as we discussed, so the first half of the stealth boat is visible. Yes. It's not an invisible <laughs> Not boat. a good stealth boat. Okay. Uh, well, it is a good stealth boat. No one picks it up on radio. Right. Uh, okay. So, okay. So, so then they cut to sense. Elliot Carver meeting with all of the like heads of the various parts of his business and they're all literally just saying the evil thing that they're doing yes. in their business okay so one guy's like we're going to release our next version of the software and it's going to be super buggy and oh so yeah people have to upgrade and i'm just like what <laughs> that's how i feel like, about but uh, what is it like he started world war three with one of his parts like his stealth boat arm of his media business is starting nuclear world war three and his software business is starting windows vista and <laughs> Like, they're all just it's really too weird. evil, gentlemen. Uh, oh, so this is, okay. So this is what my note is, because I did not know what this is. I wrote, this meeting is ridiculous. I have in all caps. Because someone says, consider him slimed. <laughs> they were like, you have to, like, ruin this guy's good name. That was one of, like, the henchmen's jobs. And his response was, consider him slimed. Well, the idea is, I guess, is that they're not henchmen. They're, like, the, the heads the brain of the various trust. businesses. Yeah. Because uh, it is a media conglomerate, it's like a bunch of different yeah. things, and also boats. Yeah. The thing about the boat, I just got to say, if his whole thing is that he's trying to like craft... The thing that I thought would be interesting about this movie is that he's like a media mogul who's trying to start World War III, and I'm like, maybe he's trying to like angle the news so that it pitches these people against each other. It's like, no, he's just doing war yeah. with his warships. Right. I still and don't know like, what he... Oh, he no, but he did. He wanted to have exclusive broadcasting rights in China for 100 years. Correct, which he was going to get from General Chang, a character who's not in the fucking movie, who they just say, like, General Chang wants this. And they're like, where is General he Chang? He was only going to get it from General Chang if he... <laughs> he was only going to get it from General Chang if he put General Chang into power. When did General Chang say that? When did that get discussed in the that's, movie? Well, that's discussed, right? It's like, I Is have <clears throat> I have to, like, get China bombed so that the Chinese leader okay. dies. So, I get the, like, so General Chang goes into power and gives me... But this is an incredibly convoluted No, 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 no. I don't think that even what you just said is the thing. I think that's what it no, is. No, no, so, so, so let's keep going in the plot. So then they're like, the British government, the guy who launched the missile is like, we're going to start World War Three over this. Yeah. And M is like, give my man 48 hours. And they're like, you have 48 hours. And Just so then, like how you write And then the we movie. cut to James Bond, and he is having sex with a language tutor. Three, yeah, I said three musketeers. A real ticket. Oh, wait. But no, I said that that's what happened in the movie. I oh, you did? In the happened. first half? Okay, fine. But yeah. I was going to say, it's, it's three musketeers. That's exactly the same thing. He yeah. was teaching her Except language in three lessons. musketeers, no one says, you always were a cunning linguist. Right. A lie that's in this movie. 
And then, okay, so then there's also uh, the woman who calls him while he's sleeping with this woman, and she's it's money penny. And she's the one who says you're a cunning. Yeah, linguist. she says yeah. money penny call. And I said money penny calls him a cunning. Linguist. Right. I wrote down is she a cell phone to lie about having sex? Right. Like, is she? I write. I wrote. I said, what's up with James and Money Penny? Is she his pimp? No, because she, she's always there's a will they won't they thing with James and Money Penny. Right, but she they finds won't. it like hilarious that he like loves banging women. Yep. <laughs> like, well, so the other thing that they say is you have to go talk to Elliot Carver's wife. We think he's involved. We know you had a relationship with her. <clears throat> pump her for information. Yep. You'll just have to decide how pump. much pumping is needed. Yep. Um, then also when he gets the car later, he says. Let's see how she responds to my touch. So I, I was keeping track of right, like... Right, he fingers the car. Yeah, so yeah. I was keeping track of... Like, the movie scales up in horniness, like, super quick. I mean, like, it starts the, with cunning linguists. Well, no, the, thing, the first opening scenes are just like, you know, cool action stuff. And then they're like, oh, now let's, like, just like, ratchet up the innuendo. And so he's like, sleeps with that woman. And then it's like the cunning linguist. And then there's like the car thing. And it's then it barely double entendres. Yeah. These are mostly just entendres. Yes. Yes, there's only one entendre, and we know what it means. Yeah, and then it it peaks uh, when he goes to Elliot Carver's party, and they're just playing the soundtrack from every Cinemax. Okay, so then, so they're like, James, you have to go investigate this woman, and he's like, cool. First, I got to rent a car from Avis. Why? Because that's where Hugh is. That's because Avis hates me. Yes, it makes no sense. Okay. okay, fine. So, so hold he goes on. So Carver gets a car. does his evil plan. They're like, James, figure out... How, how do they figure even figure out that it is Carver? I have no idea. Oh, oh, no, no. No, I do remember. They're like, you got to see this news. And then they they have a newspaper. Oh, it was two hours after the That's like reported on. the thing yeah, that yeah, yeah, they yeah, yeah. just found out. Yeah. So they're like, we think this guy Carver's involved. He's like getting the news yeah. too fast. And they're like, James, you knew his wife, So right? then he goes, he's like, he goes to a party. Well, then they're like, James, you know his wife, don't you? He's like, know her. I used to be bone here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, like, he's not subtle about it. Um, uh, right. So then I wrote that James is Oh, that's what pie. Money Penny, that's what Money Penny says you have to pump her for information. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so then, um, uh, so he goes to the party. So then he goes to the, the launch party of their new, like, satellite network that will broadcast them anywhere. They define GPS in this movie, which this, is incredible. They also, at one point, there is a satellite in the office, and... Ricky J, who's not a good actor, is like, he's like, don't break that satellite. It costs $300 million. And then James bought, first of all, it looks like they bought it at Party City. Yes. And it costs maybe $10. It also looks like, you know, in uh, in uh, Zoolander, where he's like, what is this, a center for ants? <laughs> exactly. The satellite is a model satellite. It's right. the small version. And then James throws it at some bad guys later in the movie. It doesn't make it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then you meet Elliot Carver at this party. I thought he was going to be kind of a... Um, uh, Rupert, Rupert Murdoch type. He's much more of a Steve Jobs type. Yeah, the way he's styled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's sort of playing himself like a tech visionary. Oh, of course, he's more of a media mogul. That, that's very sloppy. Yeah. And so anyway, at this party, he talks to Elliot Carver. Michelle Yeoh shows up right as James uh, is talking to Carver, and he's right. like, and she's like, "Oh, I'm also a news reporter from China." And he's like, "Oh, I want to expand into China." Which is also Which, weird because, like, he already worked out his Chang deal. He doesn't need right. Oh, right. But Elliot Carver, I wrote here, he's kind of like Nerdy James Bond, and expand into China is like, oh, yeah. he wants to expand, expand into, into Michelle Yeoh as China. Yeah. Um, okay. So then while she's, basically, she steals his thunder, which I think is, like, intentional, right? It's supposed to show that, like, he has met his match in Michelle Yeoh. Yep. Okay. Um, so then, then, then he goes James to is talking to, he's talking to Paris Carver, and then 
um, uh, Elliot Carver like sends his goons on him, but his goons are all like fifty-year-old men who are overweight. Yeah, and then he beats or or older, and then he beats them up. Obviously, yeah, and he gets away and he shuts off. And the other guy is like, oh, so Carver gives like a big speech, and the the guard outside of like the the place where they're about to beat up James Bond is like so entranced by Carver's speech that he doesn't notice that James Bond is like beating everyone up until James Bond throws someone through the window. A tough fight scene, just not good at all. And anyway, James Bond turns off the satellite, embarrassingly, Carver, the launch of his satellite, ding, blah, 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 blah. He's like, kill James Bond. Right. And so then James is like, I've got to pump Paris for information. And the information, and then she comes over to his apartment. She can't resist him. I just have to say, I know this is James Bond, and like, I know that's like kind of the whole point, is like, he's like the irresistible ladies man. The character of Paris Carver... Makes no sense. Makes no sense, and is so, like, embarrassing to, like, women as a concept, that she's like, James... I'm going to get killed for this, but I just love you so much. Let me just give you all of the pertinent information. And then she immediately gets killed. Like, it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's it's bad. And I think that they, they stopped doing that thing where they're like, James has a history with this woman. And it's like, yeah. does he really? Because yeah. I feel like we would have seen it in the 17 previous movies. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, in I Casino Royale, they introduce Vesper Lind. And then in that movie, they carry forward that that is a history that James has, which is really interesting. Um, they don't do it in this movie. Anyway. Yeah. So oh, he, has, he pumps her for information. The information she gives him is like, there's a secret entrance on the roof. Yeah. And maybe she says there's a safe. So anyway, he sneaks in through the roof. He gets to the safe. He steals some documents from the safe. There's also like cocaine and... Uh, <laughs> a lot of weird money. Oh, and he takes the GPS thing that Ricky J bought at the uh, Smorgasburg for terrorism. Yes. Oh, right. Well, it's like in like a, like a pen case for some reason. I did just write because I thought when Paris Carver came over that she was going to be more nefarious and not just like give up her entire like life. She immediately fun. And I just wrote the premise of a super, spot, a super spy whose one flaw is how horny he is is objectively funny. Like it is funny, right? Like because if she was going to like kill him, like poison him while she was sleeping with him, like she could have easily because like any woman who's like, hey, want to sleep with me? He's like, I mean, yeah. And so like it is very funny that, like, he's this, like, incredible spy who will sleep with anyone. And it's like, that is his flaw. I just think that's, like, a funny... Well, it's not his flaw. In this case, it's not crack the case. I know. So, but, so like, he... I, that's what I thought I was setting up for. And I'm like, right. that's funny. That would uh, be funny. Too bad. Um, so when he brings it to the safe, it did look like there were a bunch of porno mags in there as well, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> Elliot Carver's, like, a 12-year-old He's boy. like, here's my cocaine. Here's my little GPS thing that allows me to start World War Three. Here's some porno mags. Um, for the missus. And then Michelle Yeoh shows up and she's wearing a leather cat suit straight out of Austin Powers. Yeah. And she like walks on a vertically down a yep. wall like, for some reason. Him while she's uh, doing it. He punches a guy into a printing press and he goes, they'll print anything these days, which is great. So good. But so, uh, yeah. So do you right. think and then at the knows, same time, is that oh, a knowing We also line? skipped a thing. He gets caught and he's like being interrogated. Or is that after this? Oh, by like that. By Dr. Kaufman? Yeah. Who we thought was maybe his proctologist? <laughs> no, that's after this. But anyway, he gets caught. He kills... Oh, right. Oh, right. Because then... Uh, no, because like... There's uh, a whole car... Breaking case. news. Paris uh, Paris Carver is dead. She's in your hotel room. Like, doesn't... Oh, uh, yeah. They catch him and then whatever. They catch him and Michelle Yeoh has all the stuff. That's what it is. He gives Michelle Yeoh the stuff. He does? Or she takes the stuff? No, he keeps the thing. He puts it in his car. He, like, drives his car with the remote. Anyway, they get caught. A then, lot of then stuff Then he happens. kills Kaufman. It does, actually doesn't matter at all. <laughs> right. And then he and Michelle Yeoh both have the idea of, like, let's go... Oh, no. He they brings, set up... He brings the, the GPS thing 
to the U.S. military, who, and he's like, could you use this to trick a ship into thinking it was somewhere it wasn't? Oh, and they were right. like, yes. And there was like, so this is so after. Wait, use the math to figure out where the ship was. Yeah, it doesn't, that whole bit doesn't matter. <laughs> and so then they're like, here's where the ship was. And so then he goes to the ship, and there he meets Michelle Yeoh again. And that's where they discover that they stole a cruise missile. And they're going to use that cruise missile to start World War III. Like, and then he and Michelle Yeoh break out of there. Because I think the cruise missile is supposed no, to and then kill they get caught. the president No, no, of China. so this is when they get caught. So then he and Michelle Yeoh get caught by Stamper on the boat after they come up from the boat. Remember, he Oh, we're the on the altitude. boat already? Yeah, I'm skipping ahead. You're skipping so, so boring. No, they, what about the, the motorcycle chase? No, the motorcycle chase is after that. No, the yes. boat is the is the PS de resistance. No, 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 no the not movie. not the stealth boat. Which when boat? they do the scuba diving into the boat, the, the oh the the sunk the boat, sunk boat. Oh yeah, they then they come up. Then they oh come yeah, up. yeah, then yeah. they get caught. Then they get handcuffed to each other. Yes. Then they do the motorcycle chase. Okay. Um, which is cool. It's it a is cool, cool chase. And then Michelle Yeoh, but what calls? Second. No, no. And then Michelle Yeoh is like, we gotta call China, and she's like, we gotta warn our governments. And James is like, I'll warn the governments. You get all the guns. And then he looks at the keyboard and it's all in Chinese. And he's like, you warn the governments. I'll get the guns. <laughs> and then she's like, we've got to warn them about General Chang. And that's when I wrote, who the fuck is General <laughs> Chang? Because they overhear it on the boat, maybe. I don't I honestly don't have no memory of them introducing <laughs> this character. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all I, Okay, all I remember about that scene is they're riding the motorcycle and then they like jump into like... I guess what is like uh, a um, what's the, what's the word? God, why do I not know words? They jump into like um, a la- like a, a, a pile of shit, for lack of a better term. Why are they showering after the chase? Is what I'm wondering. Do they um, jump into like where everyone's shit gets flushed to like avoid the explosion? They jump into like a water thing. Is it like I a cesspool? No idea why they're both showering. I wrote down, why are they showering? But, okay, so I, I wrote down in my notes that you asked if anyone comes out of the ocean in this movie, and the answer is, they do, technically, but they're wearing wetsuits, but they do have this sort of sexy shower, shower scene with a lot Wait, of water. He's like, pass me the soap. They're, like, soaping. Them. Well, I, they're handcuffed to each other. But, I, but Or they're why, not? Why are they? They are. She gets out of the handcuffs, though, in that scene, and then handcuffs yeah, and him handcuffs to a pipe, and then he gets out of the handcuffs, yeah, and, and he's like, handcuff you to my pipe, and then... <laughs> She says no, thank you. So many things in this movie make no sense. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that like they they make an explosion and they have to jump into like a cesspool and that's where they're showering afterwards. You think you have Slumdog Millionaire? <laughs> I think that's basically what it is. Anyway, all right, doesn't matter. Okay, okay. So then they're like, so then they're we got to warn them, and then they're like, base. then they find where the boat is going to be docked, and they're like, we got to stop this boat because it's going to launch a missile into some other place. They're going to they're going to think it's the Brits starting World War Three. We can't let them do it. We go to the boat, but they the missile the is supposed to kill the. President of China. Sure. If you say so. Literally, if you say so. I think. I have no memory of that. And not just because I saw the movie two weeks ago. I My notes just keep saying, who is General Chang? <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss this character? Okay, I'm just going to pull uh, up the Wikipedia. The motorcycle chase is good. Yes. Okay. Um, um, okay, so then he kills Elliot with the drill, which is great. Uh, but then he says, give the people what they want. I'm skipping ahead. They go to the boat. They have a big it's fight fine. on the boat. It's fine. They break into the boat. The way he kills Elliot Carver is he uses that same drill. Yeah. And he says, give the people what they want. 
and he should have said something drill related. Yeah. I couldn't think of a better. He's drill like, I, you know how much I love drilling people. Right. <laughs> that should have been his line. I drilled your wife. <laughs> I drilled your wife, and now I'm going to drill you. Yeah, uh, whatever. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Stamper dies somehow too. Oh, Stamper gets his foot caught in a missile, and then they launch the missile, and it like kills him. Great. Yeah. Uh, he's lame. Okay. Oh, and then they are, um, they're stuck. They're like handcuffed again or something. They're trapped underwater, uh, James and So the and movies her. tend to end with it being like he's trapped somewhere with the Bond girl. So then they take and off And they're like, there. James, we've got to extract you. And he's like, I'll <laughs> <laughs> let me extract so myself. I'll extract myself <laughs> just in time. Yeah. James is a pullout guy is what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> so they take off their scuba gear because they have to like go through a very... <laughs> tight shaft <laughs> and they uh... I just want to apologize to Michelle Yeoh on behalf of this movie yeah like that she's in this movie and that we have to talk to her in this context she's good it's really it's not fair for her she is actually my favorite part uh, of this movie she is um, she should be served by a better movie so yeah they, they escape through like they have to take the, the... Oh, they have to carry oxygen and, like... It's too tight. Like, I know we keep doing double entendres. It's too tight of a passage for them to get through with their oxygen tanks. So they have to take them off even though they are very deep underwater. <laughs> impossible. This movie makes it impossible to talk about. So they, they basically have They're to... They're too deep and they have to pull out. <laughs> yes. Before. So they have to get to the surface and it's like, will they die before they reach the surface? Um... And, like, James is really good at, like, autoerotic asphyxiation. Yep. So he's able to hold his breath for a really long time. Yep. The key and is they, they finish at the same time. They both yeah. get to the top. Yeah. They're fine. And then, like, the movie ends with them, like, floating in the middle of the water. Right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, okay. So, bad movie. Bad movie. F- I gave it five stars. Yeah. Five out of ten. Five. Not you know five oh, stars. I, by the way, you gave it three stars on Letterboxd. I stumbled upon your Letterboxd yesterday accidentally. And then I was like, oh, and now I know how you think, what you think about this movie before... Did we I talked it about three? it. You gave it three. Well, my letterbox is fucked up because I'm like too really, generous. Uh, I don't have a good balance of letterbox scores. I'm not good at rating things. <laughs> yeah. This movie's a five out of ten because there is yeah. some good action. What I will say it's about the incomprehensible. Yeah. The villain sucks. The villain sucks. Everything uh, about. It. Oh, I, I had a note where like uh, Ricky J when he's like do something, he does like the most egregious fake typing. He's like, it looks terrible. The premise is nonsensical. The action is not great. There's the. I actually think the motorcycle chase is good. Yes. Um, and Michelle Yeoh does some cool fighting. But what's crazy is historically, it's the second. How many bonds does he do? Three, uh, four, or five? Pierce he Bronson. does. Golden, Golden Eye. Tomorrow never dies. The world is not enough. Die another day. Four. Four. So the latter Golden two. Golden is the only good one. Well, that's the thing. Is the latter two is when they're like this. Pierce Brosnan's bond has really run out of steam. I would argue. Pierce Brosnan's Bond runs out of steam in this movie. I, I, I think the thing with Pierce Brosnan is he's very charming and he has the right look. I don't think he's a good Bond in any of the movies. And Goldeneye is just a really good movie. Right. And I will say, Pierce actually, Brosnan... Sean Bean is an amazing Bond villain. Right. I don't remember it. Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, now I want to watch it to see how... Look, Pierce Brosnan <clears throat> is actually, I think, fine. I think he is badly served by the plot of this movie, which is so stupid. It's so stupid because it's like... Is this guy, like to your point, you said earlier, is he trying to start World War Three because he's just like a psycho and wants to like watch the world burn? Or is he trying to become a billionaire media mogul and is manipulating world events 
to give himself the power to do that. And the movie never makes it clear. Oh, dude, there's one thing the movie doesn't make clear. Who is General <laughs> Chang? Yeah. I'm reading the Wikipedia plot uh, to see if he's even mentioned in, <coughs> in it. General Chang. Um, so they want to fire a missile at Beijing. True. And I think it's to kill... Okay, here it is. Uh, Carver plans to destroy most of the Chinese government with a stolen missile, that's what I said, allowing a corrupt Chinese general named Chang to negotiate a truce between Britain and China, both of which have begun a naval war. Not in the movie. Once the conflict is over, Carver will be given exclusive broadcasting rights in China for the next century. That's what I said, but it's not... In the movie? It's it's (laughs) not clear. Uh, Okay, so not a good movie. Any other notes we have? But here's here's my bigger question. Like... That is the premise, and that's what they want to get behind. Is it reasonable that the only way he could get exclusive broadcasting rights in China for the next hundred years is to do all of this? He couldn't just like bribe a government official to get broadcast rights. Like, it's so overblown. It makes no sense. It makes very little sense. I, the thing is, right? So, as far I, I, I'm curious about the Brosnan bonds in general. It was watchable. I just think the the thing is also like. I feel like some of the the blonde, the blonde some of the bond plots do feel very high stakes, right? There's like some scarred faced or golden eyed bad guy uh, who like is trying to end the world. Is he? Does he? I don't, I don't remember that movie. Uh, no. No, I assume I assume he's missing an eye and he has a gold prosthetic. Uh, that would be cool. <laughs> that's not what, not it's what happens. In golden eye is like a satellite system, right? Which is like cool, like. Crossing lines, and when they line up, it's going to shoot a laser from space. Yeah. See, like, that is, like, what Bond should be. And yeah, you have this, like, nerd... And I know it's, like, World War but, like, you have this nerdy media mogul who's just, like, yeah, like, a faux, like, Steve Jobs meets Rupert Murdoch, but, like, is not I, intimidating, is not scary. I think the real problem is you just... You literally never understand what his plan is. And it never feels threatening. Correct. Partially because you don't even know what he's trying to do. Right. But, like, even if you don't understand what some of the villains are trying to do, you're like... This guy looks scary. Like, I believe him that he's going to do something bad. Yeah. Elliot Carver, yeah, he does no. not look scary. No. So, Would you say Jonathan Price's character looks scarier in this? Or Pirates? Or in Pirates, where he's got the crazy wigs. Yeah. And he's going, huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs> I basically have no other notes. I went through all my notes as we were, we were talking. Yeah, I don't think um, I have any other notes. I just... So anyway, it was watchable. It was fine. But at most a five. Because, like... We watched it literally what two weeks ago, and we had we unfortunately got delayed, so we couldn't release it last week. I barely remember this movie. No, very boring, not great. Um, but oh, we have a movie. ton of research. Oh my god. Well, should I? You just saying the Wikipedia for this yes. very long? Yeah. Well, I just grabbed a bunch of things on Wikipedia. Okay, fine. Not a good movie. We both agree a five. Unremarkable. Here are some things about the movie. I. Did I did the work of copying from Wikipedia into my notes app, so I'm going to run through these. The, ti- <laughs> the title of the movie was inspired by the Beatles song Tomorrow Never Knows. Um, I'll just boo the research. I'll boo or huzzah the research, Jonathan Price. But the real title came out by accident. Uh, one of the potential titles was Tomorrow Never Lies, which boo. is uh, about the new... His, so his newspaper was called Tomorrow, Jonathan Price. So Tomorrow Will Never Lies is supposed to be like in reference to that. Uh, and they faxed this 
uh, title idea, Tomorrow Never Lies, to MGM. But due to a typing error, it came through as Tomorrow Never Dies. And MGM Honestly, much better title. Yeah, and MGM liked it so much they insisted on using it. So isn't that funny? There was probably some secretary. There was like some Hollywood bigwig snorting cocaine, pacing his Tomorrow office. Tomorrow Never Lies! Yeah, he was like, uh, Gertrude, Tomorrow Never Lies, send this to MGM. They're going to love it. And she just writes Tomorrow Never Dies by mistake and or, faxes it. Or, or she like... Oh, yeah. That was the brains of the yeah, other yeah, yeah. And she's like, that doesn't make any yeah. sense. <laughs> I'm not calling this movie General Chang's Revenge. <laughs> I'm going to send them Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, so that's funny, right? MGM liked it better because of a typo. Yeah. And uh, this is also the um, first James Bond movie to not directly reference uh, one of the original books by Ian Fleming. Hmm. Tomorrow Never Dies was not one of the books. Interesting. The role of Elliot Carver was initially offered to Anthony Hopkins... He that would, would have been better. Better, right? That would have been better. better? No, 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 Art Price is good. He's a good actor, and he can do sort of like that kind of well-heeled menace Yeah, that he sort of does in Game of Thrones, though he's not rich in Game of Thrones. His character is still very politely menacing. Yeah. But they just, the script isn't there. It's not no. doing any, him any favors. I think Hopkins would have done better work. Hopkins might have brought something So here's the interesting thing about Hopkins. He was offered a role in GoldenEye also, but he, he declined this movie. He's like, wait, my character does not have a gold eye? <laughs> He's like, I will not do fuck it. Fuck this. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing is he declined this so he can go do The Mask of Zorro. The director from GoldenEye also declined this so he could go make The Mask of Zorro. Good choices for uh, both of them. Yeah. Mask of Zorro rips. Um, Can we connect to the Mask of Zorro on that? The two people who turned down this movie to do that? Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, okay, Goats Otto is, um, plays the, the Stamper. Stamper. Uh, he was probably not pronounced Goats. Um, so this is totally unimportant. When he was called in for casting, his hair had been cropped short for a television role. He was given 20 seconds to introduce himself, but he did it in five. And this is what he said. I'm big, I'm bad, and I'm German. And then cast him, which is very funny. True. Um, He is bad in this movie. Oh, here's an interesting fact. Uh, They couldn't use uh, Leavesden Studios, which is, I think, where they filmed a lot of the Bond stuff. Um, So they... uh, Oh, sorry. Which they had constructed from an abandoned Rolls-Royce factory for Goldeneye, which is funny. Also, it's very probably... Rolls-Royce is probably like, if you're going to use BMW instead of us, like, you can't use our studio anymore. Um, So instead... Oh, sorry. The reason they couldn't use it is because George Lucas was using it to do The Phantom Menace. So well, that is interesting. There's a I connection. Was, I, I was like saving up to be like, well, that's not interesting. No. As like a, like you were like pumping this up as an interesting fact, but it actually is an yeah. interesting fact. Good job. And yeah, we did Phantom Menace two out. episodes ago. So that worked. Uh, okay. And then my last, uh, no, two more notes. Okay. Some scenes were planned to be filmed on location at Ho- in Ho Chi Minh City. Um, and they got a visa from uh, Vietnam to film there. Uh, it would have been the first major film to sh- be shot in Vietnam since the war. However, the visa was later rescinded by the Vietnamese Prime Minister uh, <laughs> two months after the planning had begun, and so they had to move to Bangkok. Um, Bond spokesman Gordon Arnell claimed the Vietnamese were unhappy with crew and, and, and equipment needed for pyrotechnics, with the Vietnamese official saying it was due to many complicated reasons. Anthony Wei, I don't know who that is, says he believes the decision was caused after Vietnam's communist government had viewed the opening credits for GoldenEye, which featured semi-naked ladies smashing up hammer and sickle emblems and sledgehammers, illustrating the fall of communism. So they think that the Vietnamese pulled the filming thing because the opening for GoldenEye was like down with communism. They're like, we like communism. Up with communism. Far-fetched. 
And then the last thing was the way that the remote control car worked that he was fingering, as you said earlier, mm-hmm. um, was the uh, they adapted a regular BMW and they put a steering wheel in the back seat. So a stuntman was driving oh, it from cool. the back seat. So that's cool. That is cool. Uh, yeah. So that was cool. All in all. Those, I, right. So anyway, the research, more interesting than the movie, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, movie, just not good. Don't watch it. Definitely not in the canon. I am not going to. I mean, Show look, this, yeah. if my kids are like, I'm obsessed with James Bond. I want to watch all the Bonds. I'll be like, there are 24 of them. You should totally watch all of them except, except for Whatever Dies, which doesn't. No, I mean, it's not that bad. They can watch it. It's fine. But I don't mean, start on. there. They're not going to want to watch James Bond if they watch this don't one. Don't start there. Do you have a favorite James Bond movie? I mm. don't. Just to. Before you say yes, it's this, and what's yours? I, I think Casino Royale is my favorite James Bond movie. Is it the first? That's the first Daniel, Daniel Craig, Craig movie. Now, Skyfall is also great, but Skyfall has this problem where it's kind of like Javier Bardem's character is like perfect. Yeah, he's like the Joker in The Dark Knight, except he's not a comic book villain. He's he has like no teeth. He takes his teeth out and his face shrinks. At this movie, I don't remember. Uh, but I think I think Casino Royale is my favorite. Um, I like the Daniel Craig movies. And I like Goldeneye a lot. But you said you watched some of the, like, Sean Connery Yeah, and I, I love them as a kid. I don't remember any of those. I don't I love those know as that a I've kid. Uh, those were really fun to watch with my parents. But, let's talk about good movies now. What movie are we doing next? Uh, yeah, so we are going to go from Pierce Brosnan uh, into another Pierce Brosnan heartthrob role. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, back to the kids' movies. It's going to yes. be great. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, as I will say in more depth next episode, I watched it in the past couple of years with my kids, but I don't remember it that well. So I'm excited to watch it. Nice. And as I will say in the next episode, hello!